Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Savage Podcast. So today is Sunday. Tomorrow, Monday. What's tomorrow's day? The twenty-second. Tomorrow is January twenty-second. I'll be flying out to Las Vegas to be at the uh, shot show for a few days. Uh, something I've been doing every year for the past few years. Super excited because I'm going to be seeing a lot of my friends, a lot of industry uh, leaders and trendsetters, and always fun to see what's new and exciting in the industry. But more importantly, I'm going to be flying there and I'm going to be flying back. And I figured that's a good opportunity to maybe discuss a little bit of travel safety. Uh, not that this is the time of the year where most people travel. Most of us do it over the summer. But being that you are all silver savages and probably many of you are traveling often, then some of these tips may be relevant to you and I hope you get something out of it. So with no further ado, let's get into the episode. So yeah, I'm flying tomorrow, and I'll be honest, depending on the airline you're flying and which airport you're flying from, uh, your security measures are going to differ some. So what I mean by that, let's start with the airport. The bigger the airport, the more challenges you have. Everything from going for security to how do you get to the gate, how do you monitor your stuff as you get to the gate, and how do you are aware are you of the environment and the people around you. So that all matters. The smaller the airport, obviously, the easier that becomes. So recently I was flying out of Montana and really tiny airport, to be honest. And I was going through security. The line was super short. It took me about five minutes. When I got in there, there was one coffee stand. I wouldn't even call it a coffee shop. And they only had a couple of things, a couple of items on the menu. And honestly, there was no challenge at all. Even getting to the airplane, you actually have to step out to the tarmac, walk to the airplane, and step onto the airplane. Uh, but honestly, from a safety and security standpoint, there weren't a lot of challenges. If you fly through Atlanta, for example, being a someone that flies armed often, that is a much bigger challenge. First of all, the airport is huge and super difficult to navigate if you're not familiar with it. If you check a firearm in any other airport around the country, it's a simple pro uh, process. You go, you let the counter clerk know that you are checking a firearm, they will check it, they'll have you fill a little postcard, putting it in with your check baggage and you get to go in Atlanta. You have to do that, but then you have to take it back to a different location where they screen it and then they take it and at that point you're free to go to your gate. So it just adds to your time, it adds a hustle, um, it's just a pain in the butt, all considered. And, and honestly, from a safety and security standpoint, you have to manage your timing better. You have to make sure that you're on top of how you secure your firearm and to make sure everything is top-notch because if it isn't, then you're going to get dinged for it. Ask me how I know. Don't ask me how I know right now. We'll tell that on a different podcast. Uh, but just because a bigger issue. Also, you have to take uh, the trains to get from one terminal to the next. You could walk. It just lengthens it a significant amount of time. A lot of people, so you always have to be on the lookout for people around you, for your items, for your objects, your carry-ons, and so forth. Make sure you don't leave anything laying around. Uh, Pickpocketing or pocket picking, pocket picking, right, um, is big in those airports. Um, so, again, my security and safety uh, elements come up uh, or rise significantly. But that's not really even what I want to concentrate on today. What I really want to talk about is what to do on an actual flight. So 9-11 changed a lot of things, right? We can't take a significant amount of items on the flight with us. So I can't take anything with a blade, not to mention farms. But there's also a ridiculous amount of items that are benign for the most part 
that I can't take. So I had tactical pens taken away from me. I had coubertons taken away from me. I had people challenge me even having a tourniquet in my carry-on in the past. So I'm really limited and I really want to be more strategic in how I plan and position myself and address any possible emergency. In prior episodes, we talked about healthcare issues on flights or anything from trauma to medical emergencies. So I'm not going to get into that today. What I am going to talk about is how do I address a potential violent incident taking place on a flight? Now, last week, I talked about terrorism and I said I do not believe that a 9-11 type attack is likely to happen again. And I do stand by that. But that doesn't mean that the issues may, may not arise, right? A sound that flies a lot. I'm always concerned that there may be somebody else that maybe a copycat tries to do something idiotically similar or just that drunk individual that's coming back from a bachelor's party in the Bahamas had one too many to drink and now decides to get all goofy and silly and be stupid on the flight. So I always think about what tools and what opportunities do I have to keep myself safe. So let's start with positioning. I like sitting towards the back of the cabin so I have a better view of what's going on uh, further in front of me. I know a lot of people don't like doing it because from a convenience standpoint, that means you are also disembarking the airplane later on. It adds to your time. But honestly, the big scheme of things, you're talking a couple of minutes later, it's not a big difference. And from a safety standpoint, if I'm sitting further up front, I cannot see what's happening behind me. But if I'm sitting towards the rear, I can see further forward and it increases my chances of addressing the events as they're unfolding earlier rather than later. I also like sitting on an aisle. A lot of people like sitting by the window. It's a pretty view while I'm taking off and landing, but for the majority of the duration of the flight, really sitting by the window doesn't add much. If anything, it's an inconvenience because every time you have to go to the restroom, if you're anything like me with a small bladder, then you have to excuse yourself over two or three different people to make your way over, go to the bathroom, come back, and excuse yourself over them again, getting back to your window seat. So sitting by the aisle allows me a few things. First of all, I'm not an inconvenience to anybody else. I don't mind being inconvenienced by others. I just don't like being an inconvenience myself. So sitting in an aisle allows me to get up, walk around, stretch my muscles, go to the lavatories, do whatever I need to do without inconveniencing others. But more importantly, from a security standpoint, if I need to address any event or any situation, then I can do it pretty easily. I don't have to jump over two or three other people. I can just stand up and I'm right there in the aisle ready to address whatever needs to be addressed. Let's talk about what you wear for the flight. So TSA did not make it easy on us. Let's be honest. Uh, the whole idea of you got to take your shoes off and your belts off and your jackets off made it so that a lot of people want to dress minimalist as they're traveling. They're wearing the Crocs or flip-flops, right? They're wearing sweatpants, stuff that does not require belts or shoes that are being laced and in my mind that creates a security i want to say detriment in a sense if i get into a fight i'd rather have solid shoes than crocs i'd rather have pants that are not going to fall down to my ankles than sweatpants i also like having a belt on me because a belt is another self-defense tool when you think about it i can use the buckle for striking almost think of it as a whip we actually teach skills using a belt to defend against strikes to disarm people, address blades, right? So there's a lot of things. I actually have a self-defense tool on me, 
by having a belt. And by giving that up, I'm actually missing on an opportunity. I like having my, I would say, tactical boots. And not tactical in the sense, like, if you think of the leather tactical boots, they're more like tactical chucks in the sense. (coughs) 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 Sorry. (coughs) Still overcoming that freaking cough. Uh, But that aside, that my tactical chucks are, to a large extent, just trying to describe them. They're cloth like a chucks, but they have a thicker sole. I like having them because if I need to do something, they're comfortable, like tennis shoes. I can move in them. They support my ankle, but I can run. I can move. And let's say the plane does a, uh, an emergency landing. I can still step out of the airplane and be active, unlike I would be able to be if I was wearing flip-flops or Crocs or anything else. So I don't want to sacrifice safety and security just for a temporary comfort thing going through TSA. So when I fly, you'll actually see me wearing jeans, a belt, and actual shoes that are laced on. Um, so that's as far as positioning. So back of the cabin, on the aisle, and I'm wearing my regular clothes. I also always carry with me some sort of self-defense tool. So I always have pens. They're not to be tactical pens. I can do a lot of damage with a regular pen. I have my cables in the sense of my charging cables for my computer or my phone. Those are tools. My um, my computer on its own is a tool. I can strike with it. I can use it as a shield. So as long as I'm thinking outside the box, I'm actually having a lot of tools on me, on my bag, that I can use defensively. But let's say I'm on a longer flight, like an international flight, and actually want something with a blade and I can't have a blade with me. So one thing I often do is I ask for a soda can, but I ask to have the whole can. I'll drink it. I'll hold on to the can, I'll put it on the ground, I'll step on it, so I'll squish it, and now I have a flat can with all these sharp edges coming out, these sharp points. And now, in theory, I have a blade. I keep that in the pocket of the seat in front of me, and then if I need something that I can use as a cutting instrument, I can use that if I needed to. I usually have a flashlight on me that has a bezel that has, I don't want to call it serration, but sharper points to it. They're used as blunt or standoff uh, instrument, so I can use those to cut or uh, or strike at somebody. So I have a flashlight on me as well, not to mention that I can flash someone's face and blind them temporarily if I needed to. So that's another tool. I don't wear baseball hats regularly. Sometimes I do. If I do, that's another tool. Uh, The bill of the hat can be used for striking, especially softer areas like someone's throat. And the actual bulk of the hat can be used to trapping people and manipulate different parts. So I actually teach how to use that against someone's uh, head or someone's fist. So a hat is another tool that I can use. If I fly first class, which I started doing a lot domestically and internationally, um, they do give you actual silver silverware. And nothing, I, I don't trust the knives, uh, even on first class, to actually cut anything other than I don't know, the butter that you need to spread on your toast. But I like the fork a lot. That fork is phenomenal as a stabbing instrument if I need to use that for self-defense. So I typically tend to somehow lose that fork so it is now uh, part of my arsenal for the duration of the flight. Just to be honest, I don't steal any of it. I leave it on the plane when I leave. But for the duration of the flight, I have another tool there with me. 
So some of the things that you want to consider when you're traveling, again, the location or the positioning within the cabin, uh, what tools you're bringing on you, and what tools can you improvise on the flight itself. I forgot to mention, and something that's worth mentioning, is having some sort of a hot drink. So I order coffee a lot. Even if I am drinking something else, I'll still have a, a cup of coffee. Uh, I don't know if you ever had hot beverage thrown in your face. It is not comfortable. It is does not feel great. And if I can use that as a defensive tool, then that's one more uh, in my arsenal. So again, the, the key here is to think outside the box and position yourself to success to whatever extent that you can. So I told you this is going to be a shorter one. I am, as I said, flying tomorrow, so I got to go finish packing. I got to make sure that I, uh, I have all my improvised defensive tools in my carry-on and all my non-improvised defensive tools in my check baggage. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of you at Chacho. And if you're there, make sure to uh, DM me and let me know. And if you're not, then DM me anyway, and I'll meet up with you at a different time at a different place. Until next time, stay savage.